What's up? Well, on, buddy. Not much. How are you doing? We are live, FYI, in case you didn't pick up on that. Oh, nice. nice. Just I'm, thought I would let you know. <laughs> how are you doing? You look good. I love your uh, setup there, dude. It looks Thanks, awesome. Man. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it was a lot of work, man, for sure. I bet. For sure. But, uh, uh, how, you know. How long have you been doing your own content uh, podcast stuff? Well, I just started doing the show like four months ago. So I think we started Congratulations. March. I think March 3rd was the first show. Um, yeah. but I did, I started doing break the cycle as an audio podcast, like last year, like, um, January of 2020. Um, and I was like recording it with my phone on anchor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I use anchor myself, but I, I obviously don't use my phone. <laughs> yeah. I use, I use anchor now still to, to publish to my RSS feed, but I just, I just ripped yeah. the audio from the, the live show and then, uh, split it up in the middle, drop a couple of sponsors and then, and then stick it to the rss feed i don't i don't edit it almost at all so yeah i'm kind of the same way you know when i first started doing this podcast i would do all the calls on zoom and record them and it was like a nightmare in terms of um editing them adding in an intro and then exporting them from final cut and then uploading them to youtube and the time that it took was hours and hours and hours so i was like you know what? i'm just gonna start live streaming it and if yeah. I need to touch anything up, I can later, but it's that's, it's that's where so I am time. too. The, the live stream, it really kind of amped up my content. You know what I mean? Like if I hadn't, if I hadn't done a live show, I don't think it would be half as good as it is. So, yeah. Um, and the nice thing about the video is that you just get to put your content on more platforms. Like the YouTube exposure is, is a great asset that if you just stick with the audio stuff, it's hard to kind of get. Yeah. We'll see. I have Ryan Dawson coming on tonight. We'll see if they keep me on YouTube after that or not. <laughs> Man, I can't believe after a couple of the people that I've had on, uh, I can't believe that they, they kept it. I had Tony Schaefer on, and he was talking about how Bill Barr called him and uh, told him to stop looking into election fraud. And I was like, oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I've been, I've been pretty good so far. We've talked about you know conspiracies and all kinds of stuff. So hopefully uh, Ryan and I can navigate a conversation that's not so bad for YouTube. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And, 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 and all things considered, if we lose YouTube, we got Odyssey. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, at what point in your podcast growth did you did you get to a place where like people started having interest in being sponsors? Just I'm uh, just curious. It, it was pretty quick. It was pretty quick within the first couple yeah. of shows. I already had Top Lobster, um, uh, Lauren Zotti Coffee hit me up probably within the first couple of shows, and uh, yeah, and then Anthem Planning uh, became executive producers within the first month or so, and um, you know, financially it helps these businesses, sure. which are all libertarian owned, um, very, yeah. you know, at least libertarian or, or, or pretty close to libertarian as far as yeah, top much closer lobster. to libertarian than what's going on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so, um, they've been great and, uh, I love to promote their businesses and, and stuff like that. So I haven't had any yeah. issues doing it. Um, I think I'm going to get another sponsor, CBD sponsor. That's of course, because every podcast needs a CBD sponsor, you know? Yeah. Um, well, they can't advertise anywhere else. So they yeah. have to do the influencer sponsorships. Yeah, it's going to be. I own an advertising business and I've had so many CBD companies reach out like, Hey, can we do Facebook and Instagram ads? And I'm like, no, can't do <laughs> not it. really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, North Spokane CBD. It's a good friend of mine. Also libertarian owned, uh, Michael, Michael Pickens, see Michael Pickens from Washington is a good guy. So, um, and then, uh, my daughter starting an Etsy, uh, account, oh, cool. Congratulations. She, she takes old shirts and makes cool stuff and she's 16. And I was like, you know, we'll help, we'll help you try and promote some stuff. It'd be Are cool. Are the shirts to- cool? Yeah. I mean, she takes like my old t-shirts and other people's old t-shirts and she does all these cuts and ties and like turns them into, you know, fashion accessories. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, when I was coming up that was, you, you had to have like every band. 
you know, right, like right. there was the kids with the Sabbath shirts and the kids, I had the doors shirts. I had the one shirt that had Jim Morrison on the stage, you know, the black and white picture of him just laying down on the oh, stage. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And it's like everybody had that shirt. And if anybody else had the same shirt as you, it was like, ah, oh. yeah, it was funny. I even had some shirts of bands that I did. I never really uh, particularly cared for very much. Like the misfits. Like I, I there was a yeah. couple of misfit songs I really liked, but he had to have misfit shirts, you know, and it, I was came, I came up in the punk rock scene playing punk rock music and stuff. And, you know, so you're a musician. Yeah, yeah, I play bass and drums, and I I've sung in a, a sang sang singed, uh in a bunch of bands. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You on any musical projects now? No, no, I got uh, Just I got focused on the libertarian. Yeah, it's seven kids. I got seven kids. You know, so wow, seven. Are you are you like are you Mormon or something? I, you know, I wish that was the case. No, I uh, I so when I met my now fiance, she had two daughters, uh, eight and yeah. three. Uh, she was two at the time, seven and two at the time, but they're eight and three now. Um, and uh, then we. She got pregnant in April with our son that was born New Year's Eve. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And I had a 16-year-old daughter that didn't live with me that I got custody of back in October. And she had two small siblings um, that were uh, nine and six. And uh, mm-hmm. they were they're my ex-wife's, not mine biologically, but they were going to go to foster care, basically, or into the system somewhere. And so we were able to you get custody. Us. Yeah. And then uh, on the way down there to pick up my daughter, we found out that my 15-year-old daughter at the time was pregnant. Um, and wow. so, so she are, you, gave, are you grandpa yet? Yeah. They gave, she gave birth to my, my granddaughter, Scarla on, uh, on, uh, March 14th, the day after my birthday. So, um, congratulations, man. So seven kids, two babies, four school aged. Uh, it's, it's wild, man. <laughs> so what do you, what do you do as a libertarian, uh, with seven kids in terms of schooling? <laughs> uh, so, well, here's the thing. So, um, one, one of Julia's daughters, my fiance, goes to a, a really cool, um, kind of crunchy, organic, uh, hippie. I like um, the word crunchy. <laughs> yeah, like like a private school that she goes to out in the kind of the country, and uh, it's very homeschool based. But they have like you know, right, um, cool things. But they have like their own cow and like all this cool stuff that she gets to do. Yeah. That's not, um, but my two, my daughter uh, goes to an alternative school. She's sixteen. She just wants to get her. Uh, she wants to try and get her diploma, but she hadn't been to school since the eighth grade. Um, and then the two littles, uh, the six year old had never been to school. And so, um, and then the nine year old had only gone to one day of first grade and no other school since and he was supposed to be in the fourth grade. So we moved into, we live in Iowa now and, uh, you know, Iowa's got pretty decent public school system, uh, as far as States go, uh, they're, Mm -hmm. they're, uh, they're, they're not pushing politics here in the schools, which is nice. They're, they're, uh, CRT is banned in the public schools here, um, stuff like that. And so we moved into the nicest school district in the state. Uh, and I, I pay way overpay for a house so that we could, um, get them into, you know, we, we couldn't homeschool them. They needed, they had too many needs. Um, and we didn't really have the money to send them all to private school. And, uh, so we found the best elementary school we could find that had the, you know, uh, they, they don't wear, they don't have to wear masks. There's, uh, there's religious exemptions for, for vaccines. Um, Mm -hmm. they, they're, Ban CRT. I mean, it's it's a good school, and so uh, we put them there because they needed the help that they they needed the, the two that really need it. And then my daughter's going to a, 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 a continuation school type thing to try and get her diploma. But if not, she'll probably end up getting her GD. She's already worked. Uh, she spent some time working at at Wendy's and uh, you know babysitting, and now she's trying to start the yeah. Setsy. So I I, I hope um, you know she's my, got that my, entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, that's my hope. All is you need is hustle, daughter, man. Yeah, yeah, and she's got she's got the hustle. 
Uh, she's got to she's got to stick a little more with the, the follow through. Um, and I, you know, sure. I try to push her in that direction. Like, look, if you're going to do something, do it, because that's that's how you, you know, I wish I was 16 talking about starting my own business, man. My, my life would be infinitely different at, at, at 38, you know, because um, I, I believe yeah. in the entrepreneurial spirit. I think it's a it's an amazing thing. I don't think there's a better way to uh, to make a life for yourself than becoming an entrepreneur, and uh, I, I have Per Island coming on in, in at the end of the, the month, and we're gonna that's, we're just we're just gonna talk about entrepreneurial spirit the whole time. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, it's it's really it used to. I had a a really smart guy that was sort of a mentor to me tell me one time, and it it holds true to a certain extent today, but it was certainly true a generation ago. He's like, listen, he's an Italian guy, big guy, and he's like, there are three ways you make money. He's like, you either be a politician. You get high up in the military or you start your own business. It's like, right. those are the only three ways you can make money. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I don't know about the military. I guess if you're high up in the military, you can make money. But yeah. uh, he's like, he's like, don't work in politics. He's like, but if you are the politician, you can make the money, right? Of course. And, yeah. Which is just blows by your mind, right? If you think about right. it. Right. But it, yeah, of course, it's problematic. But the, it's so true, though. Like, if you, if you really want to make money, there's really only a few ways to do it other than being a business owner. It's the only way that you can sort of not get locked into a salary or or get, get stuck at a certain mid level position. I mean, if you if if you really need the, a sort of work environment where the sky is the limit, you have to do your own thing. You well, and, it's a side and, hustle or your day job. Yeah, as far as the sky is the limit, and then if you don't have what it takes to start a business, uh, get into the trades, man. I, you know, especially as a as a male, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to start in the trades when I was 15. I dropped out of high school, uh, beginning of sophomore year. I started digging trenches for a multi-billion dollar, a multi-million dollar, uh, construction company that built huge custom homes. Uh, we actually built one for Dave Dornsife who, who owns the a monopoly on the steel girder business in this country. And it was a 16,000 square foot home with glass Y-ways to the master suite and the maids quarters. And, um, that's, that's where I cut my teeth. And now that I'm in my, you know, my late thirties, I'm, I'm so advanced in a lot of trades. I've worked in so many mm-hmm. different trades. I can work with HVAC, I can work with electrical. I can do, you know, sure. uh, building, I can grade. I, I mean, basically That's the same thing though. Building. You're basically a contractor. I mean, yeah. that, you, you well, are your own business. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the cool thing is, is, you know, whenever, whenever I need extra money or anything like that, I can take $5 post on Craigslist. These are my skills and, and random people call me all day. Hey, I need this fixed. I got a bathroom vent that's going bad. I got this and I can go over on a weekend and make an extra 500 bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, so that's, that's been the benefit of learning trades is it's a skill that's highly needed. Um, and you can start your own business or do, you know, even just do a bunch of side work to make more money, but you can make a lot of money working for other companies in the trades too. If you, if you're skilled, you know, it, it all depends on your skill level in the trades and you can make, you know, you can become a superintendent, you know, even if you're union or not union making over a hundred thousand dollars a year easily, you know what I mean? And so, um, you know, I've been really lucky in that aspect, but now I'm doing the show too, which is is become another revenue stream for my family. Um, and you know, now the goal is, uh, to make the show the full-time job and that is our own business, you know? Uh, and I have a small team of people who work, uh, with me or, or do stuff for the show, like social media, um, that get paid, you know, people are actually, I'm actually creating jobs now. It's not a lot, it's not a lot of money, uh, but I am creating. Let me know if you need any help with that. I, uh, I own a small advertising business. I know. I saw that. I, I, and I, it's funny because I had this, I just had this really great uh, advertisement made for the show and I tried to put it on Google ads, you know, for, for YouTube. Um, uh-huh. And uh, they kicked it back for election. Uh, it was like, so said it was some kind of election advertising. And I was like, there's no elections in this whatsoever. Nothing. Zero. Did you, did you appeal? Did I you did it twice. 
twice. Yeah, and they, they, they denied you both times. Yeah, so I don't know I'd what's going pump, on there. I'd pump it on Instagram if I were you. Yeah, that's that's what we're trying. And 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 truth be told, my my fiance actually runs the Instagram and the Facebook, and so mm-hmm. uh, she's put them both up there. Um, finally, Facebook just let me have a Facebook again uh, after being kicked off since October. Um, your your so, personal profile was restricted. Yeah, I had a I had a I had a personal profile for eleven years. I mean, I had pictures, uh, final pictures of my grandfather on there, pictures of my daughter when we, she was a baby and and very young with me, pictures of my son when he was very young and a baby with me that I'll never get back because they're from old cell phones. And I was like, oh well, they're on Facebook. I always have them, and then they kicked me off after eleven years uh, during the the uh, election. I was stumping for you know I, I sit on the Libertarian National Committee. I'm an at large rep. Uh, right. and, and of course I'm going to stump for my candidate. I thought, you know, if I had to, if I had to think about a candidate that I wanted to win the election, it was Joe Jorgensen. And I, you know, I get a lot of shit for that, but I still believe that she would have been better than, uh, definitely better than Biden. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. and, uh, it, she did go a little woke. I wasn't super happy about that, but I, I, you know, it was my job, uh, to work for the campaign. And, and so I, I stumped for Joe a little bit and, uh, Within a couple of weeks, I was kicked off off uh, YouTube or off uh, uh, Facebook. But I also uh, dared to make the statement that maybe this virus had come from a lab in China. And uh, think that's I think why that, they pulled you. I think that's why they initially. That's why they eventually pulled me. Which is funny because now that's the approved narrative, and everyone's talking about it. It's totally fine. Um, so here they have let me back on, uh, but not my old profile. It's gone. It's completely gone. Everything's gone. Eleven years down the drain. So man, you know, oh, man, I, it might be too late. Um, but I think within the first 30 days, you can have them send all your data. Right. And I tried. Well, I, you, you can actually download your own data. And I right. tried and they wouldn't right. let me into the account to even do that. So, Wow. I'm pretty, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, I, I've got some contacts at Facebook. After after this, Let me. I, I'd be happy to reach out on your behalf, see if they can pull some strings. Yeah, that'd be great, man. I'd love to. I'll see what I can do. Um, but wow. So, so how did you get involved with the Libertarian Party and movement just as a whole? Oh man. Well, so, so I, you know, I was on the USS constellation during operation Iraqi freedom. We were in the middle of the the Persian Gulf when George Bush declared war on Iraq. Um, and, uh, I was really jaded on the military industrial complex. You know, I saw, I saw the, the wasteful, uh, actions that the military uses. Uh, we dropped hundreds of millions of tons of ordnance on Baghdad, in my opinion, for almost no reason whatsoever, other than, uh, macroeconomics issue over the petrodollar. I didn't know that at the time, but I knew that we were dropping uh, weapons on homes and, and you know, uh, there's family pets there and kids with dreams and goals and aspirations that would love to start their own business and do the kind of, cause the same kind of things that I wanted to do, you know? Um, and so it was, it was kind of, it was kind of a bummer uh, for me and definitely jaded me on the political parties. Cause when I got out, uh, in 2005, I didn't see a party that really represented my, my anti-war ideals, especially, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily against national defense completely, but I am against these forever wars, uh, that we've been experiencing in the middle East for a long time. Um, and, uh, and so I was really jaded and just really didn't find my, myself in the Republican party. I was still a Republican, still a registered Republican voter, uh, and then in 2007, I found Papa Ron Paul, you know, and uh, yeah. that just absolutely changed my life. You know, he was calling Congress a bunch of psychopaths. He was talking about blowback and and he was essentially speaking to how I felt completely with with even the Republican Party. I mean, he was even going off on the Republican Party. And uh, so I decided to get involved with the Ron Paul campaign. I worked on the Ron Paul campaign in 2008 in uh, in California. Um, and then again, oh, I. Must have been fun. 
it was brutal, dude. Very brutal. Uh, he did. He did all right. You know, he did. Were all you right. knocking and walking? Uh, I did. Yeah, I did that, and I did a Ooh. lot of events and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah a lot of lot of slam doors in my face, and mm-hmm. um, and uh, and I Take did your not freedom like, and get off my property. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> California is rough. If you go if you go to the outskirts, you're all right. But when you're yeah, you know, I'm from I'm from Oakland, California. You know, and yeah, it's, you got to go to the Inland uh, Empire if you want to get any any love. Yeah, or the Central Valley, or like way up north by Mount Shasta and Weed and Wairika mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And so. Um, so it was rough. And then uh, I, I watched how the Republican Party treated Ron Paul. I watched how the media treated Ron Paul. It was disgusting. Um, you know, and, and in mm-hmm. fact, uh, you know, they actually had delegates getting arrested trying to get into the caucuses and in New Orleans and all kinds. Of, it was just it was wild. Um, they changed the rules at, at conventions uh, to, to screw Ron Paul and his delegates. I mean, it was just I was like, there's no way I can support the Republican Party after this anymore. They've made it very, very clear to me. Uh, that they do not support my ideals. So um, in 2010, I joined the Libertarian Party. I said, you know, here's a party that that you know supports mostly what I want. I think the platform's pretty great uh, as far as you know personal freedoms, economic freedoms, um, stuff like that. I said, we'll see what we'll see what happens. You know, it's it's still a new party. It's only 40 years old. You know, um, and uh, and so uh, I, I started reaching this out. Party to- was founded in 1776, bro. Yeah, well, the, yeah, the real Libertarian Party, right? But the, the, the actual National Libertarian Party, it was 1970. Uh, and You guys and, should start saying founded in 1776 as part of your branding should. move. We should. It we would should. be awesome. Uh, and there's a there's a big push to make the Libertarian Party more libertarian right now, which has been nice with the Mises Caucus and stuff like that. But um, So I joined the party, and I started reaching out to the National uh, Committee. I sent them a bunch of emails. I was like, you know, I'm this hyped-up activist. Tell me what to do. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm done with the Republican Party. Show me how to do this. And I, I was a wall of silence, dude. I mean, didn't get a single yeah. email. Nothing. And I was like, well, this sucks. You know, and so uh, um, I dropped That's my the problem donation. with libertarians, man. There's no cult leader. The cult yeah. leader would be all over that. Like, all right, we got it. We have yeah, a believer. We here we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, dropped, I dropped my donations after like three months um, and just kind of did my own thing. I helped found a couple of publications, including Think Liberty, which is pretty successful. Uh, now um and then in 2012 of course i stumped for ron paul again even though i was a registered republican or a registered uh libertarian voter at this point in california um and then in 2012 when when uh they they just dashed right over ron paul again i uh i supported gary johnson you know and it was uh what is aleppo yeah, but this was the first Gary Johnson campaign, which was much, much better than the second Gary Johnson campaign. I don't have a problem with Gary Johnson. Yeah. I, just, I think he's a little bit of a dweeb, but I don't. Have yeah, a he's a total. I, he's I a like total to tease him. <laughs> he's a total dweeb, and uh, and uh, but the 2012 campaign was different. And I talked about this on my show the other night. Uh, 2012 Gary was was sturdy. He knew what he was doing. He did pretty well. Uh, it was in 2016. He smoked way too much weed during the campaign. I mean, just it was. And I know people. Right, is that really weed. what he was doing? He yeah, was smoking absolutely. Pot? A lot, a lot of weed, one hundred percent, a lot of weed, and uh, and I, I just talked about this how he showed up to to endorse Larry Sharp for governor in New York, and he was basically like towelly at this point. He was like, "This is Gary Larry Sharp, and Larry Sharp used to be the next governor of New York." And I'm like, "God, shut up, Gary!" You know, uh, but I like Gary. If you libertarians would stop doing whatever you want. You could actually earn the right to do whatever you want. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and Gary's a nice guy. He's he's pretty smart. Yeah. He did really well as the governor of New Mexico, two-term governor. He cut taxes thirteen times. He really made that state a lot much more inhabitable uh, for yeah. for people who like personal freedoms. Um, but he just he wasn't a good candidate for president. And in 2016, I sported him again. Obviously, I I, I couldn't. 
I couples support the the reality TV star or the lady who has people murdered for her uh, her own political gain. And so uh, and uh, so I joined I joined the party and I joined the Libertarian Party. I became a regional rep uh, for the state party of Washington. Um, I started building county affiliates there, and then uh, in 2017, Nick Sarwark stepped way way out of line. And started talking shit about uh, Tom Woods and Eric July and all these great libertarian people, um, uh, including Ron Paul. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to find someone to run against this guy for chair. You know, and I started calling all these big name libertarians that I knew, and everyone's like, you're crazy, man. This guy is the most popular chair the party's had. He's, he's running for a third term. Like, no way. He's a trial lawyer, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I, I don't care. Someone's got to do it. No one would do it. Well, I had Think Liberty at the time. We had about 16,000 daily followers and readers. And, I was like, I'm going to do it. So I put out a, I put out an intent to run statement. I, I ran. I traveled to 25 states. I spoke behind Ron Paul at the uh, Roads to Freedom Unconvention. All shit I had never done before. Yeah. Uh, and and I didn't do well. I mean, I took like 24% or 22% of the, the vote at that, National that's Convention. That's not bad, man. That's for a guy that no one knew? bootstrapping it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no one knew. Uh, and then in 2020, I ran again against his little henchman, Joe Bishop Henchman, who just resigned, actually, as our chair, national chair. Um, after I'd served two years on the board as an at-large and, uh, I decided I was going to run one more time and I lost by like a hundred votes, unfortunately at national convention. And, yeah. But now there's some, you know, there's some people who think that they, they cheated, uh, and they want to, you know, they want to stop the steal, but I'm not, I'd never pushed the stop the steal thing. I just, I, I ended up back on the board again. Anyways, I, I have a, a crazy life right now, with seven kids in the show. And it's like, I'm kind of glad I'm not yeah. chair right now, you know? <laughs> Yeah, but I, I can yeah, do so, it. I, life has slowed down a little bit for us now. So now that uh, Joe Bishop Henchman has resigned, I have been nominated to chair the the committee until uh, until the next national convention next year. Uh, but I haven't. I mean, we'll see what happens. The the votes are going out now. So, you know, it's interesting how the um, the party structure is in the United States because obviously every party has uh, leverage over how it operates to a certain extent. But there are federal and state level requirements or how, how the districting is supposed to be set up and how yeah. the leadership is supposed to be established. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I don't think people realize how difficult the existing parties have made it for any new parties to form. Because I Sure. Well, and yeah, and so for, for the Libertarian Party, our, our biggest uh, hurdle always is, is ballot access. You know, it just mm-hmm. never, it never, it's a war that we will always fight until we're a major party nationally. Um, right. and, and we get close. I mean, in 2016, we were... Uh, we're about seven hundred thousand votes away from getting debate access and becoming a major party in the in the country and all this stuff. And then you know, Joe really kind of took a step backwards as far as uh, presidential votes go. But um, yeah, I mean, we have states like Tennessee where we just can't get ballot access, no matter how hard we try. Uh, they want you know uh, an inordinate amount of signatures that are impossible to get uh, in the time frame allotted. Uh, Illinois mm-hmm. has been really bad. Uh, Alabama has been really bad, um, and it's a state by state case. You know, there's some states where you have to run a gubernatorial candidate or or a state rep candidate that gets a certain amount of, of votes, and it's been really easy in those places for us to get a you know the required amount of votes for a good candidate like in New Hampshire or something. Um, and then there's states like like Tennessee where it's we you know we haven't had ballot access for like the last three um election cycles or something and uh so it's it's just different it, that's the problem is they've made the states it's you know really it's up to the states uh for most right. things um you know ballot access for presidential uh uh campaign is different than the federal campaign is different right um it that depends on what we got in the last uh, uh presidential uh, election that depends on some states we just have to petition um but but some states as far as state 
wide races go for state ledge and and uh, and governor and um, you know stuff like that uh, or any partisan race. Um, just to get an L next to your name is almost impossible, and and it's it's our biggest hurdle, you know. And they do yeah, it on so purpose. You see a lot of libertarians that run as Republicans, and right? And you know, then right. it kind of waters down the movement. And that's what the Republicans what are you want. Supposed to do? You know, that's yeah, why they fight. Yeah. That's why they fight. That's why they fight the ballot access stuff. It's like they want it to be harder on other parties because they've already got, you know, they've already got the, their foot in the door and can do whatever they want. And so, if another party came around, we start threatening their their positions. And now that the Libertarian Party is actually becoming this united front, uh, with the Mises Caucus kind of taking over, we've taken over over twenty five state boards in the last year, and there's still a whole other year of, of state convention season before the national convention. It's ours. The party's ours now. Um, and that was what I set out to do in twenty seventeen. And uh, it's coming. Well, congratulations. To, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I never had to win chair to do it, man. You know that was the thing. Yeah, People like, it's oh, funny how, how much you, leadership you can have with without a formal authority position. Like you right. know, MLK wasn't elected at all, but he, he was a hell of a leader. Started a movement, right? And I kept telling people, right. I'm trying to start a movement. Like I want, I'm running for chair because it afforded me the opportunity to travel around the country and get people hyped on taking the Libertarian Party away from this these these loser brigade types who uh, only want to focus on the, the the culturally woke issues instead of the 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 serious issues like ending the wars, ending the drug war, ending the federal reserve um these kind of things or at least even just just once in your life libertarian party just at mention at least audit you know what i mean like uh it, you know it's it's what made people like ron paul and and thomas massey and uh and Rand paul it's what made them popular was they used this rhetoric um that resonates with people all over the political spectrum all over the country in the libertarian party we have the principles we have the principles. Yeah. We just yeah. don't have the mouthpiece. And so it's nice to see people like Dave Smith and Tom Woods and, you know. The, the, the funniest thing about Ron Paul to me is he got on a rant about uh, fractional reserve banking and inflation. Oh, sure. it, it, it Like a brilliant rant about the whole problem with the Federal Reserve. And then the only response would be, so what you're saying is everyone should be allowed to use heroin. <laughs> well, like, of course. Oh, of God. course. <laughs> He's like, he's like, and, you know, but his response to that is even great. He's like, so you're telling me that if we legalized heroin, everyone would use heroin? Because that's not yeah, how that was, you know. Yeah, that was, that was a good response. But uh, it's, just, it's just so funny how they can totally like straw man and pivot the, uh, the, the, the narrative. And I, I just wish that, you know, both libertarians and republicans, I wish that there was more thought put into, and this is one thing that Trump was really talented at as an individual. There's more thought put into how you can manipulate the media rather than just trying to win the argument because logic doesn't win votes. It's it's good policy and it has, it's very important to have the best logical argument, but you don't get somebody to vote for you by convincing them intellectually until you've convinced them emotionally, Sure, you know, and it's, and I'm in marketing. So that's, that's how I think in terms of advertising is concerned. It's like you have to emotionally appeal to the consumer with your advertising uh, before you, logically convince them about the product so if, if i ran an ad for a computer and all i did was list the specs nobody would fucking buy it but oh, if, no. you know uh -uh. If, if the ad for the computer is like showing like somebody making you know an, an album in a recording studio and then it cuts to them editing a video in another studio and then it cuts to them gaming with like all you know what i mean it's like and then providing for their child and like you know, right, it's right. Emotional. yeah exactly so you know and, and that the, the problem i have with the democrats is that they only do the emotional and they have 
no logical, they have no good reason behind the policies. It's actually trash, especially in terms of economic policy. And then, uh, with the Republicans, uh, you know, they're not, they're not perfect logically either, but they are better in terms of, Hey, maybe lower taxes are a good idea. Like that's a pretty yeah. reasonable position, but they get branded as greedy for saying low taxes because people well, just assume that low taxes means rich bailouts. Well, of course, but it's so funny because like we, I was just talking about this today. The Democrats, uh, were running they so the Democrats were pushing to defund the police right the, the Republicans have actually ran on defunding the police you know what I mean not defunding the police in the sense that the Democrats talk about uh, but the Democrats get into the office and say no way in hell actually we're going to pump up the funding for the police and these Democrats are still acting like this is what the, this is what you know they're they're actually defunding the police they're not they're not doing any of the things that the Democrats wanted them to do you know that the, the right. republicans actually you know cut taxes in some places cut regulations in some places cut funding for some programs like that's that's what they do that's what the, that's what a conservative does right um right. and that's what libertarians would do if we could ever get the fucking office but the uh the the um the the democrats don't do any of that shit they run on that stuff they campaign on that stuff they make an emotional appeal to all these people and say yes you're right you know george floyd is a savior and this is how we're gonna do it and then they get in there and they're like ha ha you know and and they don't mm -hmm. you know they don't deschedule marijuana they don't uh do any police or prison reform they don't do any uh anti-war they don't they don't slow down the wars at all you know you know joe biden's taken this credit for ending uh the afghanistan war but do, does anybody really think that it's going to end? Does anybody? Does anybody no, really? He's already no, he's already pushed no. out. He's already pushed out the the leave date past the time that he was told he needed to leave by. So he yeah, knows he that's going to be on create, September 11th for PR purposes, which is going to cause if we go past that date, it's going to cause uh, more. It's going to cause more problems in the way of. Oh, did I turn my mic all the way down? No, uh, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, you it's good. it's going to cause more problems, more tension, and it's just going to continue this war that's been going on for 21 years. You know what I mean? The longest military uh, intervention in the history of the of the United States, and we were lied into it. I mean, rosy pronouncements lied into it. The government knew we couldn't win the war. Uh, they lied to the American public and said that we were going to go and get all the terrorists and round them up, and it was going to be over. And here we are, twenty almost twenty two years later, still fighting in Afghanistan. Does anyone really think that Joe Biden, who has been in national politics for forty years, is actually going to do this? No, absolutely not. And, and, the, and the Democrats are always championing um, uh, criminal justice reform, which is a good thing to champion because there's a hell of a lot of people spending years and years of their lives in prison for nonviolent crimes. Yeah. So yeah. Well, that's, like, I, right, I saw, I saw a tweet. Uh, the tweet yesterday was, uh, listen, when, when, uh, when weed stores are looking like Apple stores, it's time to release a lot of people for prison. A yes. lot, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, and that's what I was going to say. It's like, when was the last time you heard of mass pardons from a governor or from a president? Even it's like, president. if you really want to, yeah, if you really want to like, for example, I, this might kill me later if I ever if I ever run for any office. But if I were president of the United States, I would be very tempted to instantly pardon everyone in jail for nonviolent crimes. Sure, sure. You and know? that's a libertarian you know, thing. It, too, you know? with, with with some with some exclusions, like you know, if you were selling drugs to kids, like I don't know, I don't sure. know what I would do. There might and, be some. And I'm just well, 
I'm shooting from the hip, but that would be a priority to me. Sure. Well, and here's the thing. Here's the thing that really upset me about Trump. And and, and in fact, you know, I I actually enjoyed a lot of the things that Trump did. I think the regulation cuts were really great. I think not starting any new wars for the first time in I don't know how long was really important. Uh, He could have rolled a lot of those wars back. I wasn't happy that he didn't do that. That's not something I'm going to praise him for. Um, But the thing that on the way out of office, he knew he was out. He knew he was leaving. He had the opportunity to to show or to keep to his principles that the the uh, corporate media is the enemy of the people and release uh, you know Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, and maybe Ross Ulbricht too, right? And he didn't even he didn't even entertain the idea of releasing Julian Assange, who was who is like one of one of the last great uh, um, uh, media press. People left. Do you, think he, you know? do you think he knew something that we don't know about him? Like he wanted to do it? I don't, know. I, I don't, I don't understand how you pardon Rod Blagojevich and right. not Julian Assange. I mean, well, that I dude think, was literally stealing money from like the kids or something. Like, yeah, I he think was, he was moving money around. Well, I think there's just too many. There's, there's the, the swamp is still full in the Republican Party, and, and Trump knew that. Um, and that's his people now. You know, the, the Republican Party is his people now. And so if he wants to run again in 2024, if he wants to have any kind of say in the Republican Party anymore, then he's got to do their bidding still. You know, and I think that, uh, unfortunately, when he had the chance to be brave uh, on the way out the door, he chickened out and cowered out. And uh, and that that hurt me as somebody who was like, ah, you know, I like when he triggers people. It's kind of cool. I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. fucked up. Don't, you know, I don't want to I don't want to uh, I don't want to ever see a president talk about how the corporate press is the enemy of the people and then not free somebody who's literally in jail for being an honest journalist, you know? So I don't know. It's pretty hard, pretty hard for me why to he's actually being, or why Assange is actually being held because you know, at first there were allegations of like sexual assault and I thought those got dropped. Well, they did that same thing to this guy here. You know, the guy who started the putting out the, uh, the ghost gun, um, uh, blueprints, oh, yeah. you know, they did. Yeah, that's what good. they do. If you go against the government, dude, they are looking for, they will do anything that they can. They will, uh, they will try to pin you on other shit. Uh, they did this to Ross Ulbricht who started, you know, Ross is, is for me, the free Ross movements, one of the biggest things for me because this man started Silk Road a, guy. Yeah. He started a commerce business. You Was know he hiring I mean? hitmen or is that just made up? Uh, so, so here's the thing. The guy who had the hits taken out on him literally said 100% that Ross did not take that hit on him. There was several admins for, for Silk Road. They just took an admin account and, and said that there was some people trying to send Bitcoin to have this one guy murdered who could have been a, test, a witness. And they put it all over the media. All over the media. And then when they went to, to court, federal court, they dropped they were it dropped. entirely. Yeah, and, and with prejudice. So it can't even ever be brought up again. Right. So they... It was dropped with prejudice, so that he could never yeah. be charged with that crime again. He could yeah. never be charged with that crime. They knew that they had no proof that it was him, but they dragged it through the media to crucify him before he got to court. Then when they got to court, the, the, they just did all kinds... The, the, the judge... You know, I did a whole episode on this on my show. Um, the judge did so much underhanded bullshit that they couldn't even present their case. Like they literally kept the 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 uh, Ulbricht case from being presented in court, and and uh, so they they crucified the man in public, court of public opinion. He's a uh, he's hiring people to kill people. Ross would never have done this. I mean, anybody who knows Ross knows Ross. You know Ross. Done this. Not personally, but anybody that you talk to that's known Ross, even the person who had the hit taken out on him, 
right? Said that he did. There's no way in hell that Ross would do this or did this. Um, he even tested. He tried to testify. They wouldn't bring that testimony in the court because they dropped the case. So, or they dropped that. They dropped the, the murder for hire charges, right? Completely. So they couldn't even. They couldn't even defend against those charges that had been dragged out for over a year before court. You know, and so the whole thing was just a farce. Uh, they tried to make a. They tried to make a, an example of Ross Ulbricht because he was working in commerce outside of the federal government. That's well, it. He, and and you know, I I'm, I tend to have libertarian perspective in terms of whether or not people should be allowed to um, use drugs or do whatever they want with their own body. True. I'm not like a traditional Republican in that sense, where I'm like just say no. I'm not just so, say no guy. Okay, <laughs> but. Um, Federally speaking, it, it has to be against the law to get earn kickback on on trade that's um, uh, illegal trade, right? So if he was an admin of Silk Road, wasn't he earning a, like a percentage of every single time you know an, an eight ball got mailed from Maine to New Mexico? It's po- it's possible. I don't know. I had to look more into that. Um, but but here's the thing: to even find him, they had to they essentially had to violate Fourth Amendment, right? To even find the guy, mm-hmm. they hacked a they hacked a server. Um, and, and, you know, completely violated civil rights, but here's the thing. This is what they did. And, and I didn't, I didn't ever, ever think about this until I started diving into the Ross Ulbricht story. I watched the really good documentary called the deep web that was put out actually by the guys from, uh, from, uh, uh, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, Keanu Reeves and, and, um, the other guy who played bill. But, uh, so they actually, this is what, this is strange things are foot at the circle. K. no, they, they really did good. They really did good. But, I, uh, I think I might have seen it. Was it ten years ago? Uh, it was around that. Yeah, seven years really, ago. Maybe it was a yeah. really well done documentary that showed all of the facts. Um, and so, but here's the thing: this is what they, this is what the American government government can do. They can't use these tools to spy on you, supposedly. But what they can do is they can send these tools to Europe or the UK, where they can use these tools to spy on you, and then they can give them back the information that they've taken legally. Right. And so that's actually how that's actually how they found um, that's actually how they found the servers and then how they used that to hack the servers, violating Ross's Fourth Amendment and uh, tracking them down to San Francisco, where they uh, found some 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 fake IDs coming across the border from Canada, intercepted them and showed up at his door. So. Well, the government's pro at outsourcing uh, rights violations, and yeah, I think that exactly. I, I think they're essentially outsourcing the First Amendment violation to big tech right now. It's like well, sure. we can't censor you, but we can certainly leverage our relationships with these three companies that you rely on. Yeah, <laughs> acting like the big acting like the big tech companies are not part of the cathedral at this point is is pure ignorance, in my opinion. Uh, you know, when when Curtis Yarvin talked about the. The, the cathedral consisting of, of um, academia, the corporate news media, and the government, uh, he was working in big tech. And so I think he might there might have been a reason why he purposely left big tech out there, but you cannot at this point say that these are private industries. I mean, these are monopolies on the, on the digital town square. They've taken all kinds of government money that's our tax funds, you know, um, and, uh, and now they're completely pushing a political bias and narrative by, push, by kicking people off. Now, is it a one A violation? I don't know. I see Ron Coleman's in your chat. That's kind of cool. Uh, oh yes, I love that. Yeah, guy. yeah. He's coming on the show on the nineteenth, man. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, he's nervous. a great guest. Yeah, he's a yeah, he's Ron amazing. Coleman's. He's a badass. Yeah, he's a badass. I'm nervous. It was him on. last night. Last night, I I was uh, awake in bed and I I actually uh, tweeted. I I didn't post it. 
uh but i was like it's i i, I wrote it out and i saved it as a draft i was like it's 3 30 a.m and ron coleman's a badass and i was like you know i'm not gonna post it right now but <laughs> I, I, that, I had yeah. the thought i should have i should have yeah that's uh <laughs> but that's i just didn't want to come off weird you know like yeah. i just chase thinking about ron coleman at 3 30 in the morning i get nervous about a few guests here and there you know i, I yeah i'm not a big you know I, i'm not a huge platform and my, my youtube videos have been doing really good my my audio streams from the videos are doing really well i mean everybody's getting over a thousand listens uh now that's which great. is great um in four months that's great it's really good um but there's some guests that i get really nervous about and, and ron's definitely one of those ones i'm like man, this guy's very knowledgeable it's gonna be yeah well i'll make it easy all you got to do is let them talk you know yeah. you know yeah. just just let you got to let the pros do what the pros do well, it's cool. I learned I learned something from everybody, and 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 I have like really great people on that have written books, and they always send me the book first, um, so I get to read the books. You know, like uh, Carol Roth just sent me her new book, The War on Small Business, uh, and and I got it yeah, before it came I read out. That book too, she's great. Yeah, she'll be on the show. You tomorrow. got it before it came out. Yeah. Oh yeah, she's a great guest. I had her on yeah. a, a couple of days ago. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's she's doing the rounds right now because the new book just dropped. But I, yeah, I got of the book. Uh, I got the book like two weeks ago before it came out on the what the sixth or something or two days ago and um and uh so she sent me the book and i've been at work reading it because i work these 12-hour shifts with a lot of downtime at work so i'm like reading reading yeah. reading reading um yeah. and it's been it's been it's a very good book and and so it's great it's really cool like getting to know these people and i learned something from everybody that i have on which is really nice you, you know and and uh the, the show is doing well so yeah that's great did you read um uh papadopoulos's book the deep state i have not no hmm. that's that's are you familiar with that story at all no huh so uh, you mean the deep state? Am I familiar? We could do a whole show on the deep state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <don't> <laughs> well, uh, Papadopoulos was um, uh, basically convicted of lying to the FBI about Russian involvement with the Trump campaign. Hmm. And he was coerced into a plea deal, basically. So um, convicted, you know, sort of the wrong implication, I think, of what happened there. Um, and uh, uh, he wrote he got pardoned by Trump so he's sort of famous for that and he got um he wrote this book about his whole story of what happened and it was basically a setup it was it's a really good book he came out a couple years ago but I had him I had him on the uh, podcast and so I I read that but that's another good one to read I'll have um, to check it out for sure his DMs are open too so if you hit him up um he might be interested in coming on Nice. I hit up a lot of people through DMs, and most people don't get back to me. Uh, Ron Coleman was one of the ones that got back to me from a Twitter DM, and I was like, "Yeah, you rule, man. Yeah. Thank you so much." So. Me too. That's how uh, I book Eric, all my guests, man. Yeah. Well, Eric July <laughs> started following me recently. Yeah, absolutely. But Eric July started following me a couple weeks ago, and then has not responded to my DMs. I'm like, "Why are you following me? You're not going to respond to my DMs, man. Come on, you got to come on the just, show. Just, just show up on his at his house, dude." <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But I've had I've had some great guests on. I had Zuby on. Uh, you know, I've had I've yeah, had he's uh, cool. Oh, he's amazing. I had Scott Horton on twice. The, actually, my most watched episode is Scott Horton 2, uh, where we actually talked about Waco, which was a lot of fun because Scott is very Scott's very knowledgeable on like the mid the Middle East stuff, but he knows a lot about yeah. domestic issues and the uh the, the Waco yeah. stuff. He could he could talk I mean it was like a hour and a half long episode, man. It was, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I made some controversial tweet about um uh, what 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 was the guy's name? Um, David Chipman. David, yeah, yeah, yeah. I made some controversy. Oh, David Koresh defending him. David Koresh defending yeah. him, and people were just like lit up my my replies. You know, talking about oh, you know, he's a he's a statutory rapist, pedophile. I'm like, you not know, true. I looked into it. Like, that was true. Not yeah. true. It's like technically yeah. you could marry somebody who was 16 if they if In you Texas, had consent yeah. to the parents, and he did. Well, it's well, and here's the thing. There was several local agents. I actually did a whole episode on Waco by myself too, and uh, and. Uh, 
there's a really good documentary there too called uh, the the Waco Siege: The Rules of Engagement um, that that Scott actually knows a lot about. But uh, they there was several local agencies that had investigated these claims that he was a pedophile, and there was zero zero evidence to back that up. Um, and but they used that against him. And then you know the scary guns thing, right? They were licensed gun dealers. They were FFAs, right? They were licensed to do gun shows, and that was how they made right. a lot of their money. Uh, and it's right. Texas in in the nineties. I mean, it was fine. You know, everybody, everybody's selling now, it's still fine. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's selling guns in Texas at the time and now still. And so that's how they were making money for their con- their commune. And uh, and, you know, that they, you know, sell vegetables at farmers markets. I mean, they did everything that communes do. Uh, they just were FFAs and selling big time guns. And they, they right. use that in the media to, to disgrace. To, to they, they had all these weapons of war. And it's like they were selling AR-15s at gun shows. dude. They had one guy. Right. That took a trailer to gun shows and sold guns at gun shows. Like this was totally legal, and they they vilified him through that. And so they they got this uh, during Waco. They got this whole um, oh, what do they call it? The sinful Messiah uh, imagery put up for for David Koresh, and it was like they dragged him through the mud. But there was PhDs there. There were Harvard graduates there. I mean, it was you know there was like really great people there. They made it all seem like they were all on drugs. There were no drugs at at, at the uh, at at the commune. Like it, it's just like. This is what the media does to people that they don't want doing the things they that you know are legal. These are legal things, and so uh, that was a great episode with Scott. Man, if you get an opportunity, watch. I'll have uh, to listen to that. Yeah, it's Scott Horton again on my on my YouTube. <laughs> okay, or my, on I'll, my I'll definitely feed. listen to that. Yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. It's it's scary too because every time this happens and and the media gets caught in the act or the government gets caught in the act, uh, there's no accountability. So it's like, all right, yeah, you caught us. We lied. And but it's you know nobody reads the retractions and there's no check there are no checks and balances on these these law enforcement agents like like who, whenever the FBI gets in trouble they do an internal investigation it's like I made this this quip the other day it's like would you would you would you hire Jeffrey Epstein to investigate Epstein's island it's like why would you rely on the FBI to investigate itself That's exactly right exactly right and it's the same you know there's a re- there's a reason why there's uh this mass movement of of uh pushing back on journalism now too and and calling journalists the the you know they are the enemy of the people they no yeah. longer report the truth uh and I, it, who was it that I just had on the show Anyways, we were talking about how, you know, these these D.C. reporters and um, and publications, uh, the the CIA and the uh, and the FBI and these people are actually getting their narrative from the journalists, like the 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 publications. Now they're like getting this and bringing it into briefs and stuff like that's not right. That's not how this works. You know, that's that's, you know, that's really, really bad shit. Um, and, and so it's like the journalists and the, the law enforcement agencies, it's like this, this country needs a mass, mass overhaul in all these areas. And how do we get, how do we go about that? You know what I mean? How do we, how do we do that other than just wake everybody up to, to these, to these things that we can, you you have to establish financial independence and you have to establish, um, information independence. So I'm really hopeful though. I don't, I don't know that it's going to be the case, but I'm really hopeful about blockchain tech. In crypto, because if we can have decentralized hosting of sure. information, then we don't have to worry about Amazon Web Services shutting down websites that are controversial. We don't have to worry about um, you know inflation if we can just get a, if we can get an economy going. Got to look in the library, man. Library and Odyssey. They're you know, uh, library is essentially a decentralized um, uh, file sh- uh, storage. I mean, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's used. Yeah, it's a crypto. 
that has its own blockchain and they're actually storing this information on the blockchain, right? And so uh, my shows get stored on the blockchain. They're decentralized. No one can take them. No one, you know, that nobody can, you know, take them down. Uh, and and Odyssey, Odyssey has some moderation, but not very much. Um, and I had the founder of both of these things on my on my show, Jeremy Kaufman. He's actually a free stater in New Hampshire, and um, they even have a protocol on the blockchain. So if somebody puts like illegal content on the blockchain, right? So like we're talking, you know, lolly stuff or CP. whatever. Yeah, yeah CP. Yeah. Um, the the nodes or whatever can like surround it and keep it from getting back out, which is kind of cool. But it has to be like illegal content. They have like a whole protocol for it and everything. It's like so, a smart contract thing, so nobody yeah. has to make a judgment call. It just happens, right? And then and then it tells you not to go, don't go to this part of the the blockchain or whatever, which is kind of cool to think about, you know. And it is yeah. and he doesn't know. He, I don't remember if we talked about a way for that to be reported, um, you know. But uh, in my opinion, I think they got a pretty good like digital wood chipper protocol on there already. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty neat. But yeah, you you know you, nobody can take that down. Nobody can take the stuff down from library. So there were that's that's what's coming. You know, at the end of the day, that is what's coming. When Silk Road got shut down, um, hundreds of Silk Roads, and they're all decentralized now. That's that was the yeah. difference. You know, Silk yeah. Road wasn't decentralized. Ross was running Silk Road with eleven other people or whatever. Right. So when it got shut down, all the smart people were like, oh, okay, well, let's do this not decentralized and no one can do shit to us. And that's what they did. Right. They created a, a bigger market for it by taking down the, the actual good market that was there. So now you got this black market decentralized uh, thing that, that no government can stop, you know? Yeah. And, you uh, have to and they, faster than they can regulate. And we yeah, should. We should keep trick. doing that's it. That's the trick. We need the smart people. <laughs> yeah, they're out. They're out there somewhere. Not here. Not me. Not, me. not here. Not, not me either. So, um, where can people find you? Oh yeah, man. Well, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. That's where I I, uh, I lead the war against the blue checks. That's uh, at Joshua at large. Uh, that's that's a fun place. If you want to follow me there, I'm always always at war with somebody there. It's a good time. And then, of course, the show uh, you can check out. Uh, I'm all on. I'm on every single podcast app catcher except for like a few very small amount um i'm on youtube at, at youtube.com slash fight the despots um you can find me there or odyssey uh just look up joshua uh, break the cycle joshua smith you'll find me all over the place and um check out the show it's a good show uh i put a lot of time and effort and and blood sweat and tears into building a good set bringing on great guests i'm doing five shows a week now monday through friday uh on top of working a more than full-time 12 hour a day job so uh it, it, much appreciated man or join the patreon and, and subscribe star got all kinds of cool uh uh tears there that you guys get all kinds of cool shit and extra gear and and uh what else do they get uh, oh yeah the exclusive content we do i do uh an after hour stream for uh, uh at least 20 minutes after every guest that all exclusive members get so it's good it's good it's a good thing I'm, I'm happy to have it i hope more people will check it out and uh thank you for for talking that liberty shit jason really really appreciate you man absolutely man thank you so much for coming on i appreciate you taking the time to um, help support this show too and um I hope that we stay in touch. And if you ever need anything, just let me know. I'm here for you. All about sure. it. Oh, absolutely. Right, maybe, maybe we'll have you come on next month, man. That'd be fun. Let me know. I'm all about, all right, all about it. Take care, all right, man. Sounds good. Thanks, brother.